All right, so we'll say good morning. Good morning, Alech Tegechanika. We are beginning today, Merit Hashem, new Mishnah, beginning by thanking all of our sponsors. To thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Kislev. To thank Josh and Becker Friedman for dedicating all the Shurim and Joshos this month. Le'ilui Nishmas Josh's father, Yisrael Yehuda, Benad Chaim Raphael Zichon Levracha. To thank Sammy Maka Esterson for dedicating the Shurim this month in memory of their parents. Yitzchak Leib ben Arna Cohen, Sarah Rachel Bas Baruch Avram, Hinda Bas Henech Ephraim, and in the schus of the continued Kizuntan Haslacha, Mr. Morton Esterson, Admea Ve'esrim Shanum Tovos. And to thank the Pepper family for dedicating the Shurim this month in commemoration of the yard site of Shmuel's brother Yosef Pepper, Yosef David Zichron Lebracha ben Yaakov. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah and the families in Nechama. With that, let us begin. So today's daf is Nun Hey 55, and we are in Merz Hashem picking up at the Mishnah on the top of Nun Hey Ahmed Aleph. Hanodah min haddagan. So we'll say, so really, some beautiful Gemara today, actually. It's a really beautiful Gemara. So Hanodah min haddagan. So remember again, continuing along our same theme, our same theme, whereby again we're talking about a person goes out and makes a nether, employing a certain lotion, a certain either word, phrase, and so again, the shayla is, is how to interpret that particular word or phrase in the context of the nether. Obviously, I also the overarching principle that's guiding all of these discussions is benedarim, holchin achar lashon bene adam. When it comes to benedarim, we always follow the way that people speak. So let's go. Says the Gemara, hanodem in hadagon. If a person goes ahead and makes a nether, not to eat dagon. Now I will say, here's what's interesting. Generally, Right? When we speak about Dagon, we assume what does Dagon refer to? Grain. Here's what's interesting is the actual etymology of Dagon is something that is piled. Something that is piled, heaped together. So therefore, Hanodjem and Dagon, if a person goes ahead and makes a nether, not to consume Dagon, what's the He's not permitted to eat these dried, these dried Pula Mitzri, Egyptian lentils. If you take a quick look at the rush, so the Rosh will say in the right-hand side, in the right-hand side column says, Asr b'pola mitzri yabesh, the dagon komini demidgon mashma. The word dagon ultimately refers to anything that is normally assembled in a pile. Sha'osin mimenu kri, you go ahead and you make a pile from it. V'anodim ina dagon, asr b'chomine kitnius, sha'osin mehen kri. So we'll say, interestingly enough, dagon could refer to grain, but interesting enough, Dagon could also refer to legumes because it refers to anything when, and again, in the, in the, in the process of being, or in, the, in, the, in its being processed, is put into a pile. So therefore, the Mishnah says pretty much it will include all of these things besides Pulamitri. Apparently, Pulamitri itself was not normally put into a pile. Div Rabbi Meir. These words are Rabbi Meir. The Chacham, the Chacham on the other hand, say, no, Eino Asr Haminin. The Chacham on the other hand say that, no, Dagon actually refers to the five types of grain. So you will say, I want to show you what's that play over here, which is really quite interesting. So first of all, the five types of grain, take a look at the first Rashi. Chita, Saora, Kusmin, Shifon, Shibobas, Shuel. Wheat, barley, spelt, oats, and rye. Five types of grain. So I will say, so interestingly enough, what's that play over here? So according to Rabbi Mayer, literally, he's taking a, a literal definition of Dagon. Dagon means anything that's been piled. So therefore, again, it pretty much includes wheat. It also includes any type of form of legume if it's, if it's, if it's piled. If it's piled, as opposed to pula mitzri, Chacham say, no, that's not how people use dagon. 
people use dagas as a reference to grain. Specifically, again, the five types of grain. Incredible. Hey, Mayor Mayor says, I know German Hatvua. Now, I watch this. What if a person goes down and makes a nether? Not to consume tvua. Now, remember, tvua is a much more specific word that actually means grain. So, what's Talacha? Eino Asr Elamechamishes Haminim. He's only Asr to consume the five different types of grain. Aval Asr, Aval Anodimina Dogon, Asr Bakol, Umutr Bapero Sailan Ubiyarak. So, what's the interesting? So, Rabbi Meir comes along again and he says, but a person who goes in and makes a net. So, again, According to Rabbi Meir, we'll say, see, here's what's interesting. When first Mishnah started talking about Machlok, it's about Dagon. So Rabbi Meir understands Dagon pretty much refers to anything that's piled. Chacham say no, Dagon only refers to wheat. According to Rabbi Meir, what refers to wheat? The use of the word Tvua. Tvua refers to wheat. But ultimately, again, a person makes an editor from Dagon, that will answer everything pretty much other than Pero, Sa'ivan, and Yarek. Ultimately, fruits of the tree and vegetables, which are not normally collected in piles. Incredible. So we'll say, let's go right there. Lememra, so let's analyze. Lememra, didagon called the midgon mashma. So we'll say, what's coming out from this Gemara, or what's coming out from the Mishnah, is that the lotion of dagon, as much as we would have thought before we saw this Mishnah, I always thought dagon was just another word to use for grain, but the direct etymology of dagon is anything that's piled. Anything that's piled. So the Gemara says, Komidi de Midgan Mashma. Is that true? Massive Rav Yosef. But Rav Yosef raises a kasha. It was actually very interesting. Massive Rav Yosef. So we'll say, the Gemara now quotes over here from the Pasuk of Divrei Hayamim. Vichifrot haddavar, as the matter became public, Herbu b'nei Yisrael reishis dagan tirosh v'yitzar udvash, v'chol tvuas sada. So before we translate the Pasuk, let's just give a little bit of context. Take a look at the Ran. So the Ran is on the left-hand side, three lines into the Ran, on, on the top, on the wide lines. So Kifrot Sadaver. So remember again, as we translate before, Kifrot Sadaver means as the matter became public. matter became well-known. What matter became public? So here the Ran says, Mikru This is a Pasuk in Deir HaYomim. Shumos it's actually, it's actually quite interesting. In the days of Chizkiyo, it became known that people were becoming lax in the separation of Trumas and Maisus, which I will say is very interesting because the days of Chizkiyo were a spiritual heyday for Kalal Yisrael. The Gemara says there was so much Talmud Torah, so much learning, that everyone, even women, children, knew the Halachos of Tumantara. And I will say, you know what that means? You know what happens in Tafiyomi when we get to a Sogya of Tumantara? Right, let, let's, right, let's be honest, not everybody's exactly perking up, right? That's the complicated halachas. So again, there was such a scholarship in the days of Chizkiyo that everyone knew the halachas of Tumantara. Yet, interestingly enough, there was a certain laxity that happened with tithing. So what happens? So again, this is incredible. So the Ran says, Amad Chizkiyo, Fetikin She'aviu, Osam Beis Hashem. So Chizkiyo essentially, you know, made a clap on the bima. He's like, all right, let's go. We gotta start going ahead and bringing Shuma Samaisras again. And to their credit, and to their credit, Uksiv, So we'll say, amazing if it worked. The people responded. We'll say, people, see, the great Musar is people, people at their core are good, at our core are good. And even when we're not doing the right thing, so most times if you just point it out to a person in the right way, with the right sensitivities, and with love, not admonishment, that what they're doing is not correct, 
more often than not, people will, in Meretz Hashem, come through. So Chizkiyo says, guys, we got to be Trumas Maestros. So they bring it. Now, here's what's interesting about this. So the Pasuk says, listen to the Pasuk, so when the matter became known, i.e. Chizkiyo told the people, we have to be better about bringing Trumas and Maestros. So what happened? So the Pasuk says, here B'Bunei Yisrael, so Cloud Yisrael went ahead, and it was, they didn't just bring, but like they brought a lot. So here B'Bunei Yisrael, Rashis Dagon, so they went ahead and they brought the beginning, right from the, from the first of their Dagon, Tirosh, the Yitzhar, grapes, olives, the Chol Tavuas, Sada Larov, right? And everything, all of the grain of the field. Now watch this. V'i Amrit, Dagon, called the Midgon Mashma. They both say, if you hold that Dagon, actually means what? Anything that's piled, then my Ukifrosa Dabar. So I'll say, really, what the Gemara is asking is like this. If you have Dagon, then why do you need the phrase Tavuas Hasada? Right? Remember again, what does Tavuas Hasada mean? What does Tavuas Hasada mean? The grain of the field. But one second. If Dagon means anything that's piled, what's included in anything that's piled? What's included in that? Grain of the field. So it's redundant. So it's redundant. Someone's asking a kasha. You're telling me that Dagon ultimately again refers to anything that's piled. And that should include Tavuas Hasada. So why does the Pasuk have to be redundant? What is coming to include, ultimately, again, is even what? Even fruits of the tree and vegetables. Rashi says, I'm sorry, the Ran says over here, So we'll say, interestingly enough, so Tavua Sasada, interestingly enough, is also coming to include not just wheat, but even fruits and vegetables. That's how extensive their tithing practices were. So we'll say, normally, again, there's not necessarily tithing on fruits and vegetables, certain fruits and vegetables. So interesting they still brought. Good. So therefore the Pasuk says it's not redundant. It's not redundant. Whereas Dagon does refer to everything that is piled. Tavua Sasad in this context comes to include even fruits and vegetables. Incredible. So let's go back there. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Meir, Omer, HaNodim in Atavua, Am Rabbi Yochanan, HaKom Modim Benodim in Atavua, She'ein Asr Elamei Chamesha Saminim. So we'll see, here we go. Rabbi Yochanan says, we'll say, even though there's a Machlokis by Dagon, Right? What does Dagan mean? Does Dagan mean dafka grain? Does Dagan mean does Dagan mean anything that's piled? Okay, so whereas there's a machlokas by Dagan, there's no machlokas by Tvua. The person says, I take a nether not to eat Tvua. What does that refer to? Chameshes Haminim. Five species of grain, right? Wheat, barley, oat, spelt and rye spelt and rye. That's what it means. Rice that supports this. Shavin binodem in atvua. Shein asr ala behei haminim. Person, right? Bryce says, says that if a person makes a nether natit tvua, everyone agrees that he's only asr to eat the five species of grain. Subshita. So the one says, that, okay, that's obvious. What would I have thought otherwise? Maudutema. Tvua kol mili mashma. So we'll say, this is quite interesting. The Gemara says, the halamina is, I would have thought that maybe tvua comes to include everything. Everything. And we'll say, now why would you think that tvua comes to go ahead and include everything. So again, if you take a look at the Ran, so the Ran, I will say, almost, almost right across in the Ran. Actually, no, not really. Yeah, right across in like 10 lines up. Right? So, Ma'od de Tema, Tavua Komili Mashma, the Ran says, Midimetarganinon, Alalta, the Alalta, Mashma Komili Kidamrinon, I will say, so we're going to see this in just a little bit. Here's what's fascinating. The Targum, the Aramaic, the Aramaic translation of the word tvua, of the word tvua, 
ultimately again is alalta. That's the Aramaic word. We're going to see that alalta actually means everything. Everything. So I, the Havamina, is I would have thought that when a person makes a nether not to eat tvua, perhaps they're coming to prohibit everything. Kamashmalah, no, that tvua ultimately means chamishes mine dagon, the five types of grain. So the Gemara says, Kamashmalon, Tolomashmokomili. Good. So we'll say, so we're, we're defining our terms. Remember again, so far we have dagon, refers to anything that's piled. Right? Tvua, as we stand now, is going to go ahead and refer to five different types of grain. Right? The Havamina, that Tvua might have meant something more, was because the Targum, right? the Aramaic translation of the word Tvua is Alalto. And Alalto, we're going to see, here's what we'll say, Tvua translates as Alalto, but Alalto, fascinatingly enough, doesn't seem to translate as Tvua. Right? Alalto could be used in a different context to, to mean everything. To mean everything. Again, as we'll see in just a moment. So, Master Rav Yosef, so Rav Yosef raised the kasha, Ukifrotz haddavar here b'bnei Yisrael. So, we'll say, so now listen to this. Here's the problem. What did we just do, I will say, right before, above, right? Remember again, when we started this, we brought a question from the Pasuk in Divayam. What was the question? That the Pasuk seems redundant. The Pasuk says they brought Shumas and Maisos from what? From Dagan and Kultivuas Hasada. So, we'll say, so we sit over there, that what did Tvuas Hasada include? What did it include? Fruits and vegetables. But here you're saying that what does Tvuah include? What is Tvuah? Five types of grain. So which one is it? To which the Yimar says, no, it's not a kasha. The Yimar says, Amarav, Amarava, Tvuah Luchod, Tvuas Sada Luchod. Rav said it's two different things. Rav said there's Tvuah and there's Tvuas Hasada. Tvuah by itself refers to five types of grain. Five types of grain. Tvuas Hasada is a more expansive term that can come to include not only grain, but what? Fruits and vegetables as well. Shabbos say, again, it's, it's, it's a logical answer, right? Because that, that extra word, sada, field, is obviously coming to include something additional. Incredible. So, Bar, well, listen to this story. Bar Mar Shmuel, Pokid, Delistun, Tleser, Alfi, Zuzi, Lerava. Shabbos, listen to this. So, Bar Mar Shmuel, Shabbos say, the son of Mar Shmuel, okay? Son of Shmuel said, he left, he left in his uh, last will and testament, Pokid, the less known placer Apezuze, the Rava. He wanted 13,000, 13,000 Zuzim left to Rava. And he wanted Rava to collect it, min alalto dinahar panyo. Rosie, this was the seaboard, right? This, this, is, this was the last one testament. I'm leaving 13,000 Zuzim to Rava to be collected from the alalto. In Nahar Panya. Now, Nahar Panya is a place. So, collected from the Alalta in Nahar Panya. Okay. So, we'll say, what's the problem here? What's the problem? What's Alalta? Right? What, what, what is the, Obviously, again, Marbashul is not just simply leaving money, right? He's leaving, a, he's, leaving, he's leaving a financial amount to be collected in a specific way. So, what's the Alalta? So, Shalcha Rava Lekameid Rav Yosef. So Rava said the following before Yosef. Yosef, we'll first of all, take a look at the Ran. The Ran says we're Barmar Ashmoa Pocket Alalta Hechi Mikra Shalo Haya Lo Lurava Lito Elame Alalta Sheyichet Lo Barmar Shmoa. So Yosef, so remember again what Mar Bar Shmoa was saying is like this: He designated something specific, or I should say, he designated a specific collection for Mar Bar for, for Rava. 
Right? So in other words, Rava just didn't have the ability to collect whatever he wanted. His collection was limited to something very specific. So, okay, so what happened? So, Rava sent before Rav Yosef the following kasha. Alalto hechi So, what's alalto? Right, ultimately, again, what's, what is alalto? So, Amar Rav Yosef, Masnisinhi. It's a Mishnah. V'shavin benodya minatvua she'ein aser ela mechamesha saminin. Suppose you now watch this. What did Rav Yosef respond? Here's interesting. Rav Yosef responded with our Mishnah. What does our Mishnah say? That everyone agrees that if you make a nether not to eat tvua, what can't you eat? What can't you eat? From the five species of grain. They both say, how is Rav Yosef answering the question? Because essentially what Rav Yosef is saying is, what's alalta? What's alalta? Tvua. Tvua. Allah, because remember, it's good like we said before. How do you translate Tavua? What's the Targum? Right? What's the Aramaic translation of Tavua? Alalto. So therefore, Yosef is essentially saying, listen, Rava, it's clear. He left you. He left you. How much was it? He left you 13,000, right? 13,000 Zuz of Tavua, of grain, to be collected in Nahar Panyo. Okay, incredible. Amle Abaye. Abaye says, one second, Rav Yosef. Mi dummy, Tvua, mi dummy, Tvua, Lomashma, Alamechamesha, Saminin. Alalta, called Mili Mashma. So, as we mentioned before, one of these interesting things where although, although Tvua, we tra- okay, we got it, we translate it as Alalta, but Alalta doesn't necessarily have to translate as Tvua. Sabai so says, one second, you know, again, Rabbi said, how do you know that? Again, Tvua is a very limited term. Referring to Hamesha Saminin. I understand that Alalta, that Alalta can be the translation of Tvua, but Tvua is not necessarily the translation of Alalta. So what's going on over here? So we'll say second wide line. Adrua the Kamedarava. So we'll say, so remember again, j- just so you're following the flow over here, right? Marbar Shmuel dies or, or leaves in his will 13,000 Zuzim of Alalta from Nahar Panya to Rava. Right? Rava gets this. Mazeltov, Mazeltov. I mean, that Maslam Marishal passed away. But, you know, Maslam, there is an interesting discussion in general when a person passes away, but let's say Ruvain dies and Shimon gets a large Yerusha. Hey, so, we'll say, so the halacha is, so the halacha is, he has to say, Baruch Dayan Emes on the death of Ruvain, but he also has to say, again, either, either the bracha of Hatov Hametiv or Shech Yonu on the Yerusha. So sometimes there are situations in life where there's a Dayan Ames and a Shech Yonu at the same time. And anyway, so the Gemara says as follows. So just to follow the flow. So now Robert, Robert gets this money. Robert gets this money. He just doesn't know what Alalta is. He sends it to Rav Yosef, right? Rav Yosef says, no problem. You already learned this. What's Alalta? What's Alalta? Tivua. Abai says, hold up. Hold up. How do you know how to translate it that way? At the end of the day, I understand Tivua translated as, as Alalta. But alalta is a much more expansive term, can mean a whole bunch of different things. So how do you know that it refers to tvua? To which the Imar says, Zahadrila Kamei Rava. So we'll say second wide line. So all of this, this whole discussion came back to Rava. Amar, ha lo kami baili da'alalta komili mashma. So Rava says, I understand. I, I really didn't have a question. I understand that alalta really means everything. Alalta means everything. If you look at the Ran, the Ran says, Alalta komili mashma, talalta loshon bia vahachnosa vishavach. So we'll say, Alalta, Alalta is really like another word for like kol, for everything, anything that appreciates, anything that has a value. So the Gemara says, Hadadu di baili. So Rava says, This was my question. So in other words, Rava is saying, Alalta, 
really means everything. And what Rabbi was saying is like this, when Mar Bar Shmuel left me, 13,000 Zuz of Alalta in Narpanya, what he was really saying was, you could collect 13,000 Zuz of goods. What type of goods? Any type of goods. From my estate in Narpanya. But what is the question? Am I allowed to collect from rentals, from rentals of homes, and from rentals of boats? So apparently, Mar Baravashi owned real estate, he owned homes, right, rental homes. He also owned boats, and those, the homes and the boats were rented out. So Rava says, my question is, can I collect, can I collect my alalka ultimately again from rental income, of boats or of homes. Why was the Shiloh? My Miyaminon Kevan de Pachsan Lav Alaltihi. So this is very interesting. Maybe because both homes and boats depreciate. So by definition, maybe Alalta only refers to items that don't have an inherent depreciation. But real estate and boats have inherent depreciation. So maybe I can't collect from those. On the flip side, Odilma, Kevan de Loyadia Pachasayu, Alaltihi. On the flip side, maybe because the appreciation is not necessarily visible or discernible, so you know, the my sits still called alalta, and therefore I should be able to collect from those items. So I will say, so this is interesting. So it turns out, Rava, Rava knew what alalta was. He, knew, he didn't have a question about alalta. He knew that alalta really refers to anything that, that has a value associated with it. And therefore, again, he knew that he is entitled to collect from any property that Mar Baravashi owned in Narpanya. He had a very specific shayla, about rental income from homes and from boats. So the listen to this. So now this whole conversation got back to Yosef. And I remember again how this conversation started. Mar Baravashi leaves thirteen thousand zuz of alalta to Rava. Rava sends a question to Rav Yosef. What was the question to Rav Yosef? What was the question? What is alalta? This sparked the whole conversation of Yosef. He gave an answer. It means Tavua. Abai says, no, it can't mean Tavua. That's too limiting. Comes back to Rava. Rava says, no, no, no. I know what Alalta was. I was asking a specific, more specific question. So this came back to Rabbi Yosef. So Amar, So Rabbi Yosef says, why is Rava wasting my time? In other words, if he already knows the answer, and he had a more specific question, why is he asking? Ikbir Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef got upset. Rabbi Yosef got upset. They both say, now why did Rabbi Yosef get upset? Rabbi Yosef felt that it was a lack of derech haretz. In other words, if, if you know the answer to your question and you're asking something specific, Manashach, either don't ask or ask what you mean. Or ask what you mean. Why don't you drink a cup over here? In other words, why, why are you asking me things that you're not really, in other words, you know that I hold a specific definition. You hold a different definition. If you already have your own definition, don't ask me mine. Rabbi Yosef got upset. Rabbi Yosef got upset. Rabbi Yosef said, no, it's interesting, by the way, it's interesting, like, this doesn't exactly seem to be like such a reason to get upset. So I will say, why, why is there a reason to get upset over here? So I will say, I think it's like this. If a person truly values time, see, we, we like to say we value time, but, but to be honest, often we waste a lot of it. And if I waste a lot of it, it means that I don't truly treasure it. If you really value time, then you account for how you use every single minute. Every single minute, at least every single hour, right? Every single minute. I think what's happening here is like this. If Yossi says, listen, I'm happy to utilize my time to help someone. But Lamaisa, if I'm going to give you my time, then you owe it to me to not waste it. And if Yosef felt over here, again, Rava 
you didn't need me. So if you didn't need me, the time that I spent doing this is time that I could have spent doing something else. So perhaps a regular person could not have, would not have had a right to get angry in such a situation. But a person like a Rav Yosef, who clearly utilized, if you don't become a Rav Yosef, if you don't utilize your time wisely, felt that his time was misused. And I will say, the tragedy of wasted time, the tragedy of wasted time is you can never regain it. As well say, if you waste money, if you waste money, you can make more money. Right? A lot of things that you waste in life, you can always regain. Wasted time is the one thing that you can never recapture. So Rabbi Yosef gets this. Shama Rava. So Rava heard now that Rabbi Yosef was upset. So what does Rava say? Great story. So Rava came before, came before Rabbi Yosef on Erev Yom Kippur. Now Rabbi Yosef, why is he coming to Rabbi Yosef on Erev Yom Kippur? That's what Rabbi Yosef, by the way, this Gemara happens to be one of the Makoros with the concept that if you wronged someone, Ben Adam Lechavero, it is important to ask for mechila. In other words, if you wronged someone, it is important to ask for mechila on a Rav Yom Kippur. One of, one of the sources for it. So, listen to this. So, so Rava comes along and he sees that Rav Yosef's servant was mixing for him a glass of wine. We have this like in every single, certainly as we come across every single sugya. We'll say, remember again, they, they had wine concentrate. They had one concentrate. So what happens? He had a couple of barrels of wine concentrate. He would take some concentrate and dilute it with water. So Rava comes and he sees that Rav Yosef's servant is making him water. Fine. Amrle Havli de Imzagle. Anna. So Rav Yosef said to the servant, please let me make Rav Yosef's cup of wine. Okay. The servant said, sure. Gives it to Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef makes the cup of wine. Now, here's the part of the thread that the Gemara doesn't say, but as soon as we know, Rav Yosef was blind. Rav Yosef was blind. So watch this. So Rava comes. Now remember, Rava has not announced his arrival. Right? So no one knows that he's there except the servant. So Kigashasi, when Rav Yosef is given the cup of wine to drink, Amar, Hadin Mizga, Dami Lemizga, Dirava, Berei Rav Yosef Barachama. So I'll say, so listen to this. Rav Yosef said, this dilution, this dilution, this, this dilution ratio, this tastes like a cup of wine from Rava. And we'll search is an incredible thing, you know, and we know this, that when a person is lacking one sense, right, the other senses become heightened, right, in, in, in an attempt to compensate. So Yosef apparently had a very, a very acute sense of taste. So what happens? So again, he was able to taste the, the dilution. This is the dilution of Rava. So Rava says, it's me. It's me. It's me. Amr So Rav Yossi says, Rava, Rava, don't sit down until you tell me the pshat in this pasak. So Rav Yossi wants, wants Rava to give pshat. So Rav Yossi, what's the pasak? So again, Torah is talking about all the places we went. But say, here's the problem. It's actually, Rashi points this out in Bamidbar. Rashi also, also points this out extensively right in the beginning of Dvarim. They will say, the Torah sometimes gives us the name of places, but yet when we try to look geographically at the clouds who traveled in during their 40 years sojourn in the desert, Peter will say, when you go and you try to find these places, they don't exist. They don't exist. So sometimes we'll say, what we pick up on is when the Torah appears to give me names of locations, 
It's not really giving me names or locations. Instead, what is it giving me? Some type of coded message. So this is what Rabbi Yosef is asking of Rabbah. There's no such places. So what is the Torah coming to teach? So Rabbah said, this is incredible. This is so beautiful. Amrleh. So Rabbah said, here's the Pshat. Kevan sha'osa adam es atzmo kemidbar shumufkar l'kol When a person makes himself like a desert, like himself like a desert, that he's mufkar l'kol. Literally again, that he's hefkar. That he's hefkar. Then I was saying, and here's what's interesting. The rush, the rush says over here, if you take a look at what I was saying, the right hand side column in the rush, the last line in the rush, mufkar l'kol, lilmod Torah l'kol. Then I was saying, the rush understands that mufkar l'kol means he makes himself hefkar and that'll teach Torah to anyone who wants it from him. Right? In other words, according to the rush, what it's saying is like this. Instead of me going ahead and keeping my Torah to myself, saying that my Torah is mine, someone who makes his Torah hefker lakol. My Torah is here for anyone who wants it. Ultimately, again, nitna lo Torah is given to him as a gift. In other words, let's say if you take your spiritual gifts, you take the Torah that you acquire, and you freely give it to others, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, just like you're taking that which is yours, and you're giving it freely as a gift to others, Hashem says, I'll give even more to you as a gift. I'll give more to you as well. It could also mean, I think Pasha Pshat in this is, person who makes himself kamidbar, also means humility. The desert, the desert is humble. The desert represents humility. So a person who humbles himself, he receives Torah as a gift from Hashem. Because about say humility, it's, it's really one and the same. Because a person about say who gives up his Torah freely to others recognizes my Torah is not mine. My spiritual accomplishments are not mine. They're there to share with others. That's humility. So a person who makes himself humble, a person who recognizes that at the end of the day, I will say my my life is not about me. My life is not about me. My life is about what I can do for the other. My life is about what I could do for the cloud. That's what life is about. You think your life is to make yourself happy? Your life is to acquire things for yourself? My life is about everything that I could do for the cloud. A person who makes himself like a desert like that, makes himself hefker. I mean hefker. I own nothing, meaning everything I have is for you. Everything I have is to do for you. Everything I have is to give to you. Everything as I have is to lift you up. That's my Torah. That's my other spiritual resources. A person makes himself hefker like a desert. Kadesh Baruch Hu says to that person, I'll give you Torah. I'll give you Torah. I'll give you Torah as a gift. So beautiful. Mufkar the kol Torah nitlob matan. Shneemar. midbar. person makes himself like a midbar. Matana. He gets Torah, spirituality. I will say such an incredible yisod. You make yourself humble in life and humility as expressed by willingness to take your own spiritual gifts and share them with anyone and everyone. Hashem says the reward for that is I'll give you more ruchnias. I'll give you more Torah ultimately as a gift. And once you receive a gift of spirituality from Hashem, you become the inheritance of Hashem. I will say, those who receive gifts from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when I recognize now that the more I give, the more I get, I recognize that I have this direct relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I am the Nachalah. I am the inheritance. I am the portion of the Ribbono Shalom. The Cheva Shenachalu El, Olig And I will say, ultimately, again, when I become the portion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
That's when I experience personalistic greatness in life. Suddenly again, suddenly again, again, I'm actualizing my potential, right? I'm running on all cylinders. Oh, I, re- I rise to greatness. I will say, bamos means the heights. The heights. Here's the problem. But then I run the risk of getting a bit too carried away with myself. The Baruch brings me down. Right, I could come from the heights into the valley. If you get too carried away with yourself, ultimately the Moshe brings me back down. Not only that, but sometimes again, when I experience a fall, I fall even lower than I was before. Literally, again, he will be seen. I will say, again, it's above our play on words. Instead of saying, Vinishkafa, it's Vinishka'a. Ultimately, again, sink into the plains. And ultimately, again, if I do tshuva, Hashem will lift me back up. Right? Ultimately, again, any, right? Anyone who is low will be lifted up. It's actually interestingly enough, that last part is a totally different Pasuk. Right? That last part is not in Bamidbar. That last part is in Yeshaya. But it's a progression. So we'll say, Sabade, if you just look at the Pasuk in Bamidbar, it's incredible. So, so listen to the Listen to the in the Pasuk. Mimidbar, the person humbles himself, makes himself like a Midbar, ultimately recognizing that everything he has is to give and to benefit the other. Matana. You'll get more ruchnis from Hashem. And if you get more ruchnis from Hashem, mi matana, nachliel. You become the portion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mi nachliel, once you become the portion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you will experience unprecedented growth. Bamos. But at the end of the day, again, if you get too carried away with your bamos, with your bamos, then what? Umi bamos, hagai. Ultimately, you can be taken down into the valley. Right, you could be lowered. And sometimes, again, when you fall as a result of gaiva, you could fall to unprecedented depths. But lest you think that once you fall, redemption is impossible, then again, Rav brought in this Pasuk from Yeshaya, no matter how low you are in life, there is always the ability to rebound. So that's the end of the discussion between Rav Yosef and Rav. Why did Rav Yosef ask Rav at the Taichi of this Pasuk? Because we all say, what does the Pasuk begin with? The need for humility. Rav, if you're going to ask questions, be humble. Be humble. Be humble. You have a question? Then be receptive to an answer. If you have all the answers, don't ask the question. And if you're going to ask the question, be specific about what it is that you're asking and be mindful of other people's time. I will say, by the way, you know what the godless of this is? The godless of this is? Rabbi Yosef never directly admonished Rama. So I will say, sometimes the best way to give Musr, right? Every parent knows this, right? You can't, you can't, parent has to give Musr to a child. That's a parent's obligation. If you always give Musr over every single thing, you'll run the risk of really destroying your relationship with your child. So there's a balance. Some things, there has to be direct Musr. And sometimes a parent has to learn the art of indirect musr. The ability to say certain things that hopefully a child is going to understand what the parent is saying without coming straight out. It allows the message to get across. It also sometimes allows the dignity of the child to be preserved. Again, it only works with older children who perhaps are a bit more sophisticated to understand the remiza. And again, it's not just with children. Sometimes it happens in a marriage. Sometimes it happens in a friendship. It can happen in a variety. But the ability to kind of show a person what they've done wrong without actually hitting them over the head with it, 
right, and being able to preserve their dignity is such a powerful tool. And we'll say, what else do you see from here? What else do you see from here? You see from here that Rabbah understood that he did something wrong and he owned it. And we'll say, you know, I, I, I find that often in life when we do something wrong, I'll say, well, what happens? Yeah, what happens when we do something wrong in life? More often than not, even when we're confronted, when we do something wrong, what do we do? We double down. I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. Right? And then like, I even get offended that someone thought I did something wrong. Right? So we double down on it. We double down instead of just owning it. Okay, I did something wrong. It happens. I'm a human being. I said something offensive. I did something offensive. I acted in a way that I shouldn't, I shouldn't have acted. I will say the godless of this. Listen, just, I just want to show you like, what's happening over here. Rava did something wrong. And instead of, instead of deflecting, because we spend so much time deflecting. I didn't do anything wrong. Let me give you the 27 reasons why I did not do something wrong. I'm going to give you the Rashi and the Tosis as to why it's not wrong. We spend so much time deflecting instead of just owning. I did something wrong. Okay, I mean, being, I have shortcomings, I have shortfalls. I did something wrong. Just own it. The godless of here is that Rabbi owned it. That's part one. The godless of is Rabbi Yosef didn't hit him over the head with it. Right? Instead, instead, Rabbi Yosef said, Okay, Rabbi, thank you for coming. Tell me, give me the pshat in this pasuk if you don't mind. Right? Thank you for the wine. Give me the pshat in the pasuk. Rabbi said, That's the end of the conversation. You want to know how to make Shalom and Klal Yisrael? How to make Shalom and Klal Yisrael? Number one, if you do something wrong, own it. Be a Rabbi. Number two, if someone wronged you, don't hold it over them. Be a Rabbi Yosef. If you need to communicate to them, try to do it in a nuanced way. Allow them to save their dignity. Don't make them feel like a piece of garbage, especially if they're taking the ownership over what they did wrong. Let them own it. Right? If you need to point something out, do it in a nuanced fashion, which allows them to preserve their dignity. And what I will say, this story, this story is a story that brings Mashiach. If we're a Rava and we own it, and we're a Yosef, don't hold things over people. Just let it go. If you have to express it in a nuanced fashion, this is how we bring Mashiach. Be a Rava, be a Rav Yosef, and Geula Krava Lava. Tanya, person goes ahead and makes a nether from Dagon, right? I will say, now remember again, how do we translate Dagon? How do we translate Dagon? Dagon means anything that is piled, called Mili Deidgun, right? Anything that's piled, Asr Akba Pola Mitzri Yavish. Person is not, right? Person is not, a person is Asr, even in dry Pola Mitzri, Umutr Balach. But he's permitted to go and eat moist Pola Mitzri, Umutr Baorez, Bechok of a Tigris, Vitisni. And it was, he's also permitted to go and eat. Orez, Yavosai, is, is rice, right? Chilka, Tigris, and Tisni are all split grains of wheat. Split kernels. Yavosai, so again, there's not like a lumdus in here. These are just items that are not piled. Remember again, Dagon refers to any type of produce that is normally piled. These items are not piled. And therefore, again, they're not a problem. A person makes an answer not to eat peros hashana. Right, which literally means again, I will say the fruit of the year. So aser bechal peros hashana. So he's aser with any peros that grew that year. Umutter bekediim ubetzloim, but he's permitted to eat goats or kids, challah ubeitzim, milk and eggs, gozlos, pigeons. Vim avar. So I will say because why? Because again, those items are not considered to be peros. Not considered to be peros. Vim amar gidulish shana alai. But if a person says anything that grew this year is aser to me. Asa Then I'm not allowed to eat anything. Why? Why? 
Because all of these things, what? Grew this year. See, Peros has a connotation of an actual pre. Versus Gidusha, things that grew this year, literally means anything that grew. Hanoda mina perosaurus, person made an edger, not to eat perosaurus, asr bechol perosaurus. He's not permitted to eat any of the peros of the earth. Umutar, barisi lati, this is very interesting. Umutar, bekimen upitrios. He's lati mushrooms and truffles. Mushrooms and truffles. Rabbi said, what's the pshat? What's the pshat? Bim amar gidule karkalai, but if he said something that grew from the crowd, Rabbi said, it's interesting. This perosaurus, so perosaurus includes everything that, that grows from the ground, except for except for mushrooms and truffles. If he said, Gidule Karka, so we'll say it's, it's interesting. So not fruit of the ground, but things that grow from the ground, Asr He's even Asr in, in mushrooms and truffles. I says the Gemara Brioli, or Menhi, Al-Davashim Yidula Mina Aretz, Omer Shakon Yebidvaro, we'll say, something that doesn't grow from the ground, you make the Brach of Shahakal. Vitanya, what are examples of this? Alham Melach, Melach is salt. Zamis is salt water, Balkimino Petrios, mushrooms and truffles, Omer Shakol Nyabidvaro. Right? The says, you say Shakol. So, what do you see from here? You see that mushrooms and truffles are not Gidule Karaka. They don't grow from the ground. Amr no, no, no. Mirva Rabo Me'ara, so Mirbu Rabba Me'ara, Menek Me'avira, Yanki Valo Me'ara. Abaye says like this These items grow from the ground, or they grow attached to the ground but they do not derive their nutrients from the soil. Instead, ultimately, again, they derive their nutrients from the air. So, but the Mishnah says it doesn't grow from the ground. So when it comes to brachas, when it comes to brachas, so something that does not derive its nutrients from the ground, you make a shahakal. So mushrooms and truffles, even though they grow from the ground, because they do not derive their nutrients from the ground, therefore they get the bracha of shahakol and not the bracha of borei perihadon. I will say that is indeed Allah Kalamaisa. That is Allah Kalamaisa. I will say, but again, going back to Nidarim, going back to Nidarim, if a person goes ahead and makes a nodram in peros sa'aretz, he's also from everything, and mutter in mushrooms and truffles. But if he says, Gidule karka alai, interestingly enough, mushrooms and truffles are still considered to be Gidule karka. Incredible. We'll say, let's at least begin in the Mishnah. Hamishnah. Hanodam aksos. Very interesting case. Person makes a nether, not to, from clothing. Ksos. Ksos. So what's the halacha? Mutter besak ubiyariya ubichamila. So this is very interesting. So a person makes a nether, not to wear clothing. Ksos. What he calls ksos. So I will say, what are you permitted to wear? Sak, nasak is sackcloth. Yiria and chamila. So yiria, I say, means a curtain. Rashi says, chamila is ke'en yiria. So I will say, the chap over here with this chamila and yiria is, these are, these are thicker material. Thicker material. Like you can imagine like a curtain type material. These are thicker material. So it's not clothing. It's not clothing. So what it means is, you make a nether not to wear, not to wear ksus, Ultimately, again, you could wrap yourself in this chamila and yuria. Omar, konam semer alai. Person says, konam semer, right? So ultimately, again, excuse me, konam semer ola alai. Person says, I make a nether that I'm not going to have any wool come upon me. Mutter this kasos begize semer. He is permitted to cover himself with wood, with wool shearings. 
Because the assumption over here is that semer really refers ultimately again to malbush, to clothing, to wool clothing. And therefore again, wool shearings is not considered to be wool clothing. Therefore he could cover himself with this. Hapishtan ola alai. Similarly again, if a person says, I make a nadar about that no flax should come upon me. Mutter his kasos ba'anitze pishtan. Once again, he could cover himself with, with stalks of flax. Because again, the assumption is that the nether includes flax clothing, not, not stalks of flax. So, so we'll stop over here for today. Well, I know I'm writing the Lord Mishnah. We'll pick up with Rabbi Yudha, because Rabbi Yudha is going to give a very important qualifying cloud. We're right, right on track. Let's say Shkoya. Beautiful circuit today. All right, Chevron Zoom. Have a great day, everyone. Lick the Hanukkah.